Hey folks, Mike Palmer here. Please indulge us one more time. We're going to run it back to cover what's happening with the NBA walkout. It looks like they're back playing games again. This is something that Tarlin, Ray, and I, co-host of Running It Back, recorded on Friday. Since it's very timely, we thought we'd get it out now. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back with regular trending and education shows tomorrow, Monday, but we're trying to get this out as quick as possible so that folks can keep up with these crazy times. With that, we'll begin this uh, special episode of Running It Back. Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. Each week, Tarlin Ray and I break down what's going on in sports back in the day, sports in the here and now, trying to learn some lessons, trying to understand how to make sense of these crazy times we're living in. The times got even crazier, uh, Tarlin. So, So welcome back, of course. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have you here, Tarlin. How are you feeling? What's capturing your, your attention these days? It's always great to connect. I'm glad we pivoted to talk about this topic. We normally try to run it back, and we're 20, 30 years in the past. But the moment, what happened this week was pretty unbelievable and unprecedented. And so to be able to take a moment in time this week and then run it back to try to find parallels in the past. It's been fun going down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I've learned a ton. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it gives us some perspective moving forward because we are in 2020s. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So just to put everyone in the context that we're in, we're recording this on Friday of the week of the Jacob Blake incident, the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the, the murders of, of two of the folks participating in the protest by a 17-year-old member of the so-called white militia a couple of days later. And the NBA still in the bubble in the midst of their playoffs. It, playoffs is, tr- is trying to understand how to play forward when they're playing on a court that says Black Lives Matter. They're trying to understand if this is the cause that they're really all activated against. Are they making enough of an impact and uh, led in part, I guess, primarily by members of the Milwaukee Bucks who play very close to where this incident is unfolding and the unrest surrounding uh, the initial incident is happening. They decide... August 26th. Yeah. So August 26th was Wednesday. Wednesday. That's the four-year anniversary of Colin Kaepernick kneeling and getting interviewed by the media and people understanding why he's kneeling during the national anthem. So So, August 26th. August 26th is when the... The Bucks decide that they're not going to play their uh, their matchup against the Orlando Magic. Interesting point: the Orlando Magic could have taken a forfeit. They could have down, down three one and have they, no chance of. They winning got a shot three two, you know, yeah. but but obviously, I think that was not the move that that really anyone wanted to make. So they decided to cancel that game, and it was the pl- players' only action. The coaches didn't really know about it. the The league certainly didn't know about it, and and then. The ripple effect that we saw following that where other other games that were scheduled that night within the NBA, eventually Adam Silver and the league gets together with the players who are making this statement to, to decide to 
to postpone games. So, you know, we're going to get into the specifics of, you know, how to think about this in terms of, is it a strike? Is it a boycott? But, uh, but yeah, and then Wednesday night into, into Thursday, things are looking pretty dicey as to whether the players are going to continue the season or whether they're going to, to really just exit the bubble. Uh, the bubble would burst in that scenario. And, and then who knows what might have happened. But now as we're recording this, it does look like the players have come together. We could talk about how that happened as well. And, and now we're deciding to continue to play the games in part so that they can continue to have this platform that in a lot of ways the platform's power was established when the players led by the Bucks reasserted their power by saying we could stop doing this. At the end of the day, we have the ability to either continue this experiment with the bubble in Orlando or to decide to stop playing and as of today, and we'll continue to monitor this, as of today, it looks like they will be continuing this through the weekend. The playoffs will pick up again. And we'll be monitoring it very closely, trying to understand what's happening. And probably spend a, a little more time on what exactly is happening in the now. And then I know we both did some, some research and some prep. There's some resources we can refer folks to as well. If you want to understand more of the history that we will be running it back to. But you got some details and some further color, I think, just around what's actually transpired this week. So I'd love to get more context, more detail from you. Yeah, we won't run it back way too far, but in order to do that, why don't we spend just a moment talking about the NBA? Sure. So, and let's just go back to 2012. The NBA, unlike any other league, has athletes that are willing to speak out. And if you go back to 2012, uh, when Trayvon Martin was murdered, you had the Miami Heat players in a picture all wearing hoodies saying we're all Trayvon Martin. We had Derrick Rose as the first pro post Eric Garner in 2014 wearing an I Can't Breathe t-shirt, which then had more athletes wearing it and even bled into the WNBA. Mm-hmm. At, in that same year, and if people want to run it back to listening to our blackball episode, mm-hmm. we had the Donald Sterling incident on on audio, where and Adam Silver banned Donald Sterling and ultimately it forced uh, the sale of the Clippers mm-hmm. to Steve Ballmer. Mm-hmm. We had Maya Moore in the Minnesota Lynx. Interesting that it's a Minnesota team. Mm-hmm. If you think about Floyd in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, wearing Black Lives Matter shirts and supporting Philando Castile and others. Mm-hmm. As well, in 2016, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Ray- Wade, Chris Paul, they're the beginning hosts of the, of the ESPYs, and they have a pretty profound moment talking about racial injustice. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about these moments, the NBA has created a, a avenue for these athletes to be who they are, mm-hmm. to support initiatives that matter to them. And although you're going to go and you're going to battle collective bargaining agreement and what the mm-hmm. revenue share is, at the moment that the NBA bubble is coming back, and yes, you can put 31 different messages on your jersey and Black mm-hmm. Lives Matters and, yeah. and people are kneeling. Education reform, we're going to come back to that one. Come back to education reform to yeah. blend it back to trending education. Yeah, yeah. You've created opportunity for these athletes 
to magnify their voice without getting vilified. Mm -hmm. You often think about Colin Kaepernick, mm -hmm. who just this week, Goodell, four years later, said that we should have listened to Colin. Mm -hmm. He was always fighting against the system. Right. And it feels where the Bucks surprised their coaches, surprised mm -hmm. their team owners, and surprised the league. Mm -hmm. that they are just more open to understanding the pain to try to move forward with this group of individuals who they rely on for entertainment, but they were, they're seeing them beyond, I believe, and maybe I had rose colored glasses seeing mm -hmm. a little bit beyond that. Yeah. So I don't think we'd be at this moment right now if we hadn't seen the NBA and the receptivity or their uh, willingness right. to not respond Right. To an I can't breathe shirt where if you're in Starbucks and you're wearing the wrong swag, you right. can get fired and they're right. not, not finding people. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to figure out how we got here because right. you never see the MLB. Right. You never have that relationship with the NFL. Mm -hmm. Come on, there's not enough players in NHL for that to matter. MLS. Right. right. And this is like a totally different, you know, employer, employee, owner, you know, athlete, commissioner, league right. relationship. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and I think a lot can be said for Adam Silver and the way in which he has led the the NBA. Interestingly, uh, we did cover this on our, our show about the, the Quibi series blackballed uh, around the, the 2014 Clippers, where Adam Silver had just come in as commissioner at that time. And his really deft handling of a very difficult situation then averted a lot of pitfalls that I think could have befallen the NBA, could have befallen the league and set us on this trajectory that we've been on where it has become a league where the players are able to assert their power. And now this, I believe you were saying this is a wildcat strike. This is a wildcat situation. Is that correct? It's a wild, it's, it, you can consider it a wildcat strike. That's wildcat, correct. wildcat strike. And it wasn't uh, not because uh, Boogie, Boogie Cousins is involved. And Davis, we could bring in uh, Villanova. Alexander. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we could, and there's a lot of Wildcats out there, but, uh, but the idea. Kentucky lovers. Yeah, yeah. And Villanova and Arizona, you know, we're equal opportunity Wildcats. Uh, Miles Simon. All, Mike all, 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 all that. Luke, Luke Walton. <laughs> going back in the day. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the idea that the players could take this action and assert their power, and in many ways assert their power now to get the owners who are on the other side of, of Adam Silver's equation to, to take action and assert some of their influence. Think about how they, they use their capital to respond to the situation that is, is, is upon us. I think it's a really interesting, the, it's an interesting state of play to be in where like the leverage that the players can assert is it's partly, you know, financial. Everything comes down to money to a certain extent, but it's really less that, more so than a lot of the collective action that we've been thinking about and talking about of late. This action is really to affect societal change. And I think it's in part because being in the bubble limits these players' ability to be out and in, in the protests themselves, you know, Jalen Brown from the Celtics very clearly articulated that he wanted to be out there making a difference by protesting. And when the collective action within the bubble is, 
is really acting as a unified group, but who is isolated together in Orlando, I think limits some of the opportunity to take individual action. I think if the players at the end of the day still have the ability to play or not, and it does harken back also to the shut up and dribble comment where had they just continued to play and not asserted that they don't have to show up and play, they actually still have the ability to assert themselves. I think that was a really powerful message that, to your point, really rippled across our culture. It's, it's still, you know, Dom Smith, I'm a Mets fan, you know, to see him taking a knee. He was the only Mets to take a knee on Wednesday night in response to this. And then on Thursday night, in the eve of Jackie Robinson's, is his birthday? Is that right? They took 42 seconds, uh, moments of silence, and they left the Black Lives Matter t-shirt on home plate and decided not to play last night. It's a sign that the dynamic statements that can be made in the crucible of our times are really powerful. And frequently the way in which you make that statement is by opting out of the shut up and dribble stance and opting out of stand for the anthem. There are many ways in which these players can make political statements now. And hopefully this platform will mature in new ways. I, I can't see it not from this point forward, heading into the weekend and beyond. But any thoughts more on just this moment in time? Yeah, I do think what is super interesting about today is the collective action and leadership by the Bucks, but also the two guys who were basically the team representatives, Sterling Brown and George Hill, are not the stars, right? So Sterling Brown, you may know, Shannon Brown's little brother. Shannon Brown, I know, a former Laker, never seen a guy get off the ground as a pogo stick. Can't remember whether or not he won that championship, but a solid player. For Sterling Brown in 2018, went to go pick up something at a Walmart at like 2 a.m., legally parked across two emergency handicap spots. And when he came out of the Walmart, was accosted, slammed to the ground, and spent the night in jail. And that had a profound effect. And he's still suing the police force and didn't, didn't agree to the settlement. So what is amazing is, and maybe you can say it's, it's the stars that open up a window, open up the door for more voices to be heard, not just the LeBrons, but for Sterling Brown and George Hill to George, solid, solid point guard, but to be the guys sort of leading um, the movement, I, I think it, it says a lot. I also, and you mentioned us being in the bubble, we, we I don't I can't remember whether or not on the last uh, show we talked a little bit about Paul George, or was that just when you and I just kicked it? We were just kicking offline. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kicking it. Yeah. But Paul George is really struggling. We said, what happened to playoff Paul? Right. And he, 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 he uh, revealed that he's been really struggling in the bubble. Mm -hmm. Depressed. He can't live his normal life. Mm -hmm. And you start to think, like, they're living and they've been in the same hotel room, yeah. you know, isolated for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. It does. It has to get to them. Sure. So as you think about another shooting not far away from where Milwaukee Bucks play 
they're also just raw. Yeah. And so with, if they were on the outside, yes, you can 100% see maybe they, they don't, maybe they take a similar stance, but you can also see some of the players going to protests, going mm -hmm. to being visibly out on the streets, yeah. trying to affect change. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way that they could pause for a second. Now, in pausing, I don't think they were trying to shut down the NBA. They just needed to, they needed to act. Yeah. And act as swiftly as they could. So I want to, we're going to finish loop on collective action, but I do think we need to talk about those individuals as well. Mm. They haven't had a collective force behind them and have done similar things and yeah. have sacrificed yeah. more than we can possibly imagine because it was, they, were, they had a lot of conviction yeah. and belief that they needed to do something because they, they saw things weren't right. Yeah, and let's get to that next real quick. I have our crack staff here talking about Jackie Robinson Day in 2020 was moved to August 28th. It's normally on April 15th to the anniversary of his MLB debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. Since we weren't playing then, they decided to move, move Jackie Robinson Day in 2020 to August 28th which is the anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963, which the Robinson family attended. And it's also a, the date in 1945 when Robinson and Branch Rickey met to discuss his future as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So, uh, so there's, it's sort of a, a special observance of Jackie Robinson for MLB because of the, the abbreviated schedule. They, they had to run it at this particular time. And then it was really interesting to see the crossover into baseball, which is less, you know, less predominantly uh, black in terms of its, its playership. And then even crossing over into the NHL, which is, you know, predominantly white. There's just a handful of, of players who, who are, who are uh, black or of, of other, uh, other backgrounds. And to see that the observation of this protest is resonating beyond just the black community or just black players is certainly borne out by the fact that this extended and it's likely something that will continue as we all grapple with this. It's also interesting that it was counter-programming. I was excited with the RNC happening that I wouldn't have to be distracted by the RNC and I could just watch some basketball. So I was very excited about that and I was a little disturbed and you know, more as a selfish fan, I just wanted to watch more basketball. And I did mention to you, I was very excited about Luka Doncic the other night. I, I was maybe a little too absorbed by the, the basketball comps. And I guarantee kind of, a blowout, by the way. You yeah, you did guarantee, and you were correct. But, uh, but basketball, in some ways, is both taking a back seat, but also realizes that it can't really go away for them to continue to have influence over the conversation. So, so yeah, a lot to get into there. But, but, uh, but we did want to explain Jackie Robinson, get that, get that fact-checking, real-time fact-checking squared away. Perfect. And then, uh, you know, you, you did some additional history. We did another show as well to talk about uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf as someone who did an individual act of protest, but you did want to lay out a little more of the, the history here in terms of the individuals whose acts of courage signaled the, the role that an athlete can play in trying to affect change sometimes out on an island, sometimes garnering more support. But did you want to start? Yeah, uh, sure. I think hitting on my mood and we, we will be releasing that show yeah. soon. Yes. 
in him protesting during the national anthem, you might as well said his NBA career shriveled when uh, it yeah. went away. Back in the nineties, an international basketball player, and mm -hmm. he's still a stud on the big three. He's fifty years old, and his jumper's still wet. So you yeah, may yeah. hear the word "wet" a yeah. few times during that show. Yeah. You also think about guys like Tommy Smith and John Carlos at the mm -hmm. nineteen sixty eight Olympics who mm -hmm. raised the black glove after their gold medal and bronze medal mm -hmm. wins in the Olympics, and they were ostracized after that. Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. conscious objector to the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. basically stripped of his medals, didn't fight for three years. And he was, I mean, talk about just getting slammed. Lucky that the internet and Twitter didn't exist back then because you can only imagine what the heat that was going to be, that oh was still in his way. And then he was yeah. able to be reborn as, you know, everyone's hero. Mm -hmm. Think about Colin Kaepernick, who took a knee and has not taken a snap in the NFL mm -hmm. and was man on island where people, yes, they do support Colin. They took a knee, but the game continues to go on. Mm -hmm. You want to look at players like Maya Moore, mm -hmm. who basically retired at the peak of her career last year because she wanted to help someone that she met in 2007 mm -hmm. convict get off, get uh, released because she, uh, she felt like he was unduly um, convicted and mm -hmm. More recently, Jer uh, Irons was released. Uh, not mm -hmm. Jeremy Irons, by the way. Yeah, as an actor. Scar, Scar from The Lion King. I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> was released. So those are individuals who they have conviction. They're not bringing a band of brothers or sisters together, mm -hmm. and they're doing what they think is right. Mm -hmm. And it's super hard to do. So it's 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 amazing to see what's happening today because a few guys could have stood on island and it did happen a little bit in MLB. There are a few black players on their mm -hmm. teams who opted out of playing on Wednesday, but their teams continued to play. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how, how much more power and how much more of uh, an impact you can have when you can pull people along with you. And yeah. I'm not saying mm -hmm. um, it's Maya Moore's fault that she didn't have other people willing to do the same thing or Mahmoud's right. fault. But the NBA action, NBA Milwaukee Bucks decision on, on August 26th had a ripple effect through the world. It was on mm -hmm. every news channel. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone was talking about it. So I, I just looking at that and looking back, I think it's, it, there may be a sea change when you think about sports and athletes mm -hmm. where um, you may have conviction. You may want to do something to support your community. I right. just think more people are going to be willing without fear of repercussion and without fear of losing their job mm -hmm. to join the movement. Right. And these are some of the more powerful individuals in our society because money creates power. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to not see that. They're not going to see that power anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have different conversations with their ownership, different conversations with the elected officials in a different way they're going to communicate with their own communities mm -hmm. in order to drive change. So I, right. I just wanted to, yeah. to celebrate those that stood on Island. We, during our Mahmood show, we said, I said it, I don't think I have that, that courage to stand mm -hmm. on Island knowing what the repercussions are. And yeah. these guys are willing to throw caution the wind and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me also of the, the idea of the first follower. Frequently it requires that individual to act and then it's more the courage to follow that person who is taking a stand is, is something that is, is easily missed at times where 
in both both cases sometimes no one follows and then it's a really hard path like in the case of uh Mahmoud Abdul Rauf really ended his NBA career but in the the case here the timing was right the platform was there the opportunity is still presenting itself and the conversation is still unfolding you know the other thing about activism that is really interesting and i think we're seeing today is that you're really beyond the there's no playbook you're you're improvising you know what is the right thing to do it's really hard to say and many of these these folks who are now leading this movement are part of that gen z merging early 20s uh, different generation, you know, it's a blend, obviously. There's still the, the, the old guard, older guard of LeBron, Chris Paul, and others who are still asserting their leadership. Chris Paul is still the president of the, the Players Association, so he's trying to keep it all together as best he can. LeBron expressed real frustration. It's hard to do what he's doing. You know, he has to be the spokesperson of, of the NBA, of his place in history, of black leadership in America. And that's hard in and of itself, but it is interesting to see the, the, the 23 year olds, the Jalen Browns, the, the, the folks who are really taking the mantle of leadership, even Giannis, who's an interesting figure in that he's an international player who has now come and, and sort of taken, taken on some aspects of our culture, good and bad, that he's trying to affect change through when he's still in his early 20s. So it is really a, a profound time for all these folks and it's a profound time for all of us. I did want to mention quickly also the, there's a podcast out there that we both listen to. It's called The Black Athlete, which is Professor Lou Moore, who's also a really interesting follow on Twitter. There, he and a colleague break down the history of this, history of many different topics that, that involve black athletes over time. But a really interesting show going back to the late 50s. Elgin Baylor sat out due to him not being able to stay at the same hotel as his Minneapolis Laker teammates. They also go through the history of the Boston Celtics taking a similar action in 1961, where they all sat out because the, the team was allowed to stay at a predominantly white Jim Crow hotel. But when the players went down to the the coffee shop, they they weren't served, so it wasn't it wasn't actually equitable back then. So there is a long history that goes back into the '60s. Also, a lot to cover in the '60s around 1968, which was you know following MLK's assassination, the the stoppage across really across many of our professional sports leagues. That was another thing that you were looking at, just the history of work stoppages in response to to these earth-shattering events did you want to yeah uh, so i think it's interesting so 1968 april 4th mok is assassinated the nba nhl greensboro golf the national tennis league north american soccer league racetracks all closed mlb was one of the last it was opening day for them that monday mm-hmm. and one of the last leagues due to the inability of William, William, William Eckert, the MLB commissioner, to make a decision mm. about closing the league, at least for a period of time. So you think about 68 was a moment where all the leagues stood still, less about leagues, but I was thinking, so that's a, an assassination, a national figure mm-hmm. um, gets killed. 1980, 
it wouldn't necessarily work stoppage, but you have the U.S. Agree, boycotting the Olympics because Russia had invaded Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So geopolitical issue. In 2001, we had a terrorist attack, which ultimately, 9-11, as we know, which ultimately shut down the leagues for a period of time. And now 2020. So what's interesting is it is not the necessarily what would be considered the big events, mm-hmm. assassination, you know, issues with our, our Cold War with, with Russia, yeah. our terrorist attack to actually have an impact on whether the leaks play mm-hmm. sort of people's social conscience and sort of whether or not there's ultimately a work stoppage. Right. So I'm just fascinated to know sort of what, what, what's the next triggering effect because mm-hmm. we are now so attuned to what we believe are our own personal atrocities, our own personal imperfections and things that are happening around the, when I say personally, the United States, mm-hmm. that I think maybe the next event won't necessarily stop leagues from playing, but it will continue to push the players to act and speak out, push the players to be vocal with their owners mm-hmm. and, and their constituents. So yeah. I just was trying to grapple with that. Mm-hmm. Not that that individual life, and seeing Jacob Blake on camera, Mm-hmm. It wasn't massively significant, but it, it carries the same weight today as the, those three other events, which is just an amazing evolution of our society and what's going on in our sports leagues. Yeah, for sure. And interesting also, it looks like he's going to recover, which is another contrast perhaps to some of the other um, names that we've been saying of late, you know, many... Many black men and some and some black women have lost their lives. It looks like he will be able to speak at some point, and it'll be but really not walk. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how that perhaps impacts the way the conversation evolves. And it's definitely a time where you know we all, whether we're ready to or not, need to think about where we stand on things. And uh, that's why I'm happy that we have this this platform, uh, small though it might be, that, that we, we're developing here to talk about this stuff. Because, you know, we were talking about lessons learned from sports podcasts, generally looking back to understand what's happening today. But the events of today are just so profound and so transformative that in some ways, we, we need to be in the here now and then understand the broader context. So yeah, final thoughts, parting thoughts. Obviously, this is something we're going to continue to try to understand, try to wrap our heads around, try to understand historical corollaries, put it into context. Hopefully, our listeners appreciate it. I at least appreciate it. It helps me get my, my thinking together. But any, any parting thoughts, Tarlin, as we try to wrap yeah, up here? so let's not be so quick when people have an opinion. Kyrie Irving prior to going to the bubble was one of the ones who was more vocal about the fact that he felt playing the game would take away from having an opportunity to be a part of the movement and continue to look for changes to uh, sort of a really broken system. Mm -hmm. And he thought it would, and putting Black Lives Matter on the court and doing other things was not enough. Yeah. You now have guys in the bubble after eight weeks lamenting that and you saw how emotional doc rivers was yes we even get to doc rivers and chris oh. paul who had to deal with some of the 2014 donald serling and now now yeah yeah but very emotional about the fact that like what are we doing this for why am i here mm-hmm. and basically mirroring what Kyrie was uh believing that sort of the impact was going to be and yeah 
sort of his concerns about going into the bubble. So mm-hmm. we're very quick. You know, Kyrie is thrown on the bus because he thinks the world is flat and right, he's got right. some other interesting things to say. Yeah. But in dismissing people quickly, mm-hmm. we're just falling prey to what we're seeing naturally in the United States today, mm-hmm. where you're just unwilling to hear people's perspectives. Blue, red, black, right. white, doesn't matter. Right. Right. So right. I guess my main takeaway is I just got me thinking about that and mm-hmm. um, how hard it is. These guys are entertaining us, but how hard it is to do their jobs right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not hazard pay and they're not at war, but how hard it is to do their jobs where they know they can't be close to their families. Mm-hmm. They're away from their communities and they continue to see things that are just massively hurting, not only mentally, but at times physically. So Yeah. Yeah, and they can't avoid it, right? There'll be a press conference every day talking about this stuff, trying to get their opinions on it. And those of us in regular civilian life aren't confronted with these questions, maybe privately, but you're not necessarily seen as a leader who needs to understand how to respond to this stuff when you're still going through just this ordeal of being away from your family, going through the the, the, the protocols of the bubble, which seemed to be working, which was interesting. You know, like we- we we'll be we free were, in the bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the bubble is is going to continue to float, looks like, and uh, we'll continue to, to monitor it. Definitely appreciate the time we're getting. Tarlin is helping me uh, get organized in terms of some of my thinking. The prep is helping me do better better things that I might have done otherwise so like trying to trying to stay ahead of it thanks uh, thanks to you for for you for offering your perspective on this and and we'll continue to run it back we got plenty other topics to cover but this one obviously is kind of front and center we may need to do more emergency coverage of whatever happens as this is obviously uh, a developing situation thanks again Tarlin for taking your time and we'll be back again soon on running it back 